Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is Saturday, April 17th, 2021. It's good to have you with us here this morning on this Saturday for Congregation of Prayer. On Saturday, what I like to do is look forward to tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is Misericordiae Domini in Latin, which means the steadfast mercy of the Lord, which is the beginning of the intro. It, um, but it's also commonly known as Good Shepherd Sunday in the one-year uh, lectionary. I think it comes, uh, is it also on the same Sunday in the three-year? It might be. Third Sunday of Easter. Yo, it moves one Sunday later in the three-year series. So if you have uh, friends that uh, are also liturgical or follow a lectionary, the, uh, they'll have this uh, similar readings next week, right? But we have them this week. It's just, doesn't really matter which Sunday, but yes, um, it is a common theme, the Lord as the shepherd, and we want to uh, consider that tomorrow, but we'll begin to consider it today. All right. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He assembled in, or he, excuse me, ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse one more time. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, verse 28. Our psalm this week is Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all heavens, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Probably the most familiar psalm uh, of them all, I would say, at least in, in our experience, is Psalm 23. Uh, we're going to, uh, of course, pray that tomorrow, but we'll also sing a hymn version of it, uh, I believe, as our opening hymn, right? Our processional hymn, uh, The Lord is My Shepherd, I Shall Not Want. Um, the uh, Irish tune, not the uh, Old English tune. Uh, I'll read the psalm for you. It's not listed there on the sheet, but I'll I just want to share it with you and then share a meditation on that psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's hard. I, I almost always revert back to the King, old King James. That was the new King James. Just cleans up the uh, language a little bit, makes it a little bit more modern. But 
Uh, many of you probably have it uh, memorized by heart from the King James. This is uh, from Henry Patrick Rudin, Patrick Henry Rudin, excuse me, is Christ in the Psalms. One has a strong impression, strong to the point of certitude, that the Good Shepherd Psalm is the best note, most best known, most frequently prayed, and the most widely memorized psalm of the Bible. This psalm, traditionally Psalm 22, from its numbering in the Septuagint and Vulgate, but now popularly known as the 23rd Psalm from its numbering in the Masoretic Hebrew text, is particularly popular in the King James Version. Oh, I guess I got ahead of myself here. <laughs> Both of my children could recite it by heart at age three, an accomp- accomplishment that one suspects is not uncommon in Christian homes. Many believers pray it daily. Maybe you do. The popularity of this psalm is doubtless related to the traditional attraction of the image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd, the latter a fact readily demonstrable from the New Testament and very early Christian art. And as a matter of fact, even in our sanctuary, right, it's one of the two windows of Christ uh, in the chancel. In Mark's Gospel, written in Rome, the theme of the Good Shepherd was especially associated with the multiplication of the loaves, Mark 6.34. Here one sees Jesus making his flock recline on the green grass, an image clearly drawn from our psalm. Evidently, this became a favorite image among the Christians at Rome, for pictures of Jesus as the Good Shepherd appear everywhere in the catacombs and in other early art in that city. Another New Testament work written at Rome twice refers to Jesus as the shepherd, 1 Peter 2, 25, and 1 Peter 5, verse 4. Yes, which is one of our two readings. That's our epistle reading tomorrow, 1 Peter 2. And the image likewise appears in Hebrews 13.20, and which also seems to be connected with Rome, Hebrews 13.24. Moreover, a second century Christian of Rome named Hermas made this the major image of Jesus in a lengthy work that is called, in fact, the shepherd, or sometimes longer, the shepherd of Hermas. Besides Syria and Rome, the symbol of Jesus as a good shepherd was also clearly popular, a popular one among the Christians in Asia Minor. For example, in the mid-century, uh, mid-2nd century, the bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, refers to the Lord as, quote, the shepherd of the church. That's in Martyrdom of Polycarp, 19 verse 2. Much earlier, however, that theme was already recorded in the Gospel of John, written in the Asian capital of Ephesus. At the very end of this gospel, Jesus refers to my lambs and my sheep, John 21. 15 uh, to 17, of course. Pay attention tomorrow. (laughs) But the longer development of this idea is in chapter 10. Uh, That's actually our gospel tomorrow. In this chapter, several aspects of the image are treated. The sensitivity of the sheep to the shepherd's voice, the utter uniqueness of the shepherd in contrast to the hireling or the robber, the shepherd's giving of his life for the sheep, and the gathering of the lost sheep into a single flock and their total security in him. Right? Maybe we should uh, summarize that again. This is uh, several aspects of the image are treated. One, the sensitivity of the sheep to the shepherd's voice. The other, uniqueness of the shepherd in contrast to the hireling or the robber. The shepherd's giving of his life for the sheep. The gathering of the lost sheep into a single flock and their total security in him. In the traditional exegesis of the church, this psalm bears special reference to the sacraments of initiation, baptism, chrismation, and the Holy Eucharist. Right? We don't have the sacrament of chrismation, that's in the East, but baptism and the Lord's Supper. Thus, it is the baptismal font that the psalmist has in mind when he proclaims, he leads me beside the still waters, he restores my soul. 
Thus, too, it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in chrismation. We would actually have that in baptism. That is referred to when the psalm says, you anoint my head with oil, although many uh, Western Christians do anoint. Um, it's part of our right, actually. Um, it's usually omitted, but it's part of our right to anoint with oil after baptism, right. symbolizing, again, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thus, likewise, it is at the altar of the Messianic banquet that the psalm means when it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my cup brims over. This interpretation is already clear in Mark 6, the earliest written account of the multiplication of the loaves. Above, we noted Mark's insertion in 634, a passage from Ezekiel, which we're going to look at in a second, on the theme of the Good Shepherd. Also, we saw his reference to the crowds reclining on the green grass, even though the event takes place in the desert. The latter detail surely taken from our psalm. But in the same passage, Mark likewise regards the multiplication of the loaves, and hence the Good Shepherd, through the lens of the Eucharist, or the Supper. Note, for instance, Mark uses the four Eucharistic verbs in verse 41 to describe how Jesus took the bread, blessed, broke, and gave it to the believers. Surely, in the, in, is, or excuse me, such is the mystic table that the Good Shepherd, having led us safely through the valley of the shadow of death, prepares before us, beside the still waters, our heads anointed with oil. I think he's absolutely right about that. Psalm 23 describes the life of the Christian being brought into the church, being brought to green grass, being fed by Christ, and being led um, into the courts of the house of the Lord forever. So, um, it's as much a, uh, Psalm 23 is much a description of the, the liturgical life of the Christian, but also uh, the whole life of the Christian. All right. First reading today is from 1 Peter chapter 2. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. All right. And then our reading for catechesis today, well, not much catechesis, actually more meditation, will be from Ezekiel 34. We had Ezekiel 37 last week, so two weeks of Ezekiel, which maybe indicates that we should do some more study of that book. We'll get to it, don't worry. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will bring, make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what is lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken, and strengthen what was sick, and I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. There ends the reading. Um, so like last week, I said, uh, we, we had Ezekiel 37 last week, and now we have uh, Ezekiel 34 this week. Last week, the dry bones, remember? This week, um, the famous Good Shepherd chapter, really, from the book of Ezekiel. Um, 
So the first 10 verses we're not hearing, and that's actually the judgment against um, the derelict or false shepherds, which, of course, Jesus has in mind as well. Um, And then, obviously, this section we read, um, which is uh, his rescue, first external rescue, but um, actually it continues. It talks about uh, how he rescues us um, internally within the within the fellowship. Then he's going to actually in the same chapter, starting verse twenty three, uh, establish the messianic shepherd as the, and the, his covenant of peace, right? And then also um, with nature, all new creation. So that new creation text also comes from Ezekiel thirty four. So uh, you know, as I've suggested, we can't read everything in church. Um, and when something is cited, especially by the scriptures, or in this case, a, a selection is given, it's always worth going and reading the broader context. Maybe read the whole chapter. Uh, take note now, and uh, you can do that later. Um, but to introduce that for you, um, I'm going to read from Dr. Horace Hummel, uh, may he rest in peace, um, on his meditation on this whole chapter. Chapter 34 is probably one of the most familiar chapters of the book because of its shepherd theme, much like what we heard from Psalm 23, right? especially its good shepherd development uh, in verses 11 to 31. Hence, it is naturally paralleled with Psalm 23 and with John 10, verses 7 through 18, which we'll hear tomorrow, where our Lord Jesus identifies himself as the hopoemo hakalos. That's Greek, by the way. Hopoemo hakalos, which is the good, or the shepherd, the good one. Is it probably a better translation? Using language that seems to be drawn from Ezekiel 34. There, plainly, is a connection between the metaphor in Ezekiel and our Lord's depiction of the final judgment in Matthew 25. The shepherd language also governs Luke 15. The stricture of Jude 12 against those who shepherd themselves clearly echoes Ezekiel 34 verse 10, which comes right before this, about the derelict shepherds. And in Revelation 7, 17, paradise is described as a place where, quote, the lamb will shepherd slash feed poie meni, them. I'll pay him on that. All right. So uh, that's a, actually an interesting note from the Greek. Um, the the often the noun and the verb form are the are have the same stem. So a poema is a shepherd, and he poemenai. Uh, that's the form there of the of the verb to shepherd is to feed is to so the shepherd shepherds. Um, that's the same thing with um, king. The king kings, but unfortunately we don't talk about kings kinging. We'd have them <laughs> reigning. Um, but in Greek, it's the same word, just a verb and noun. Keep going. In liturgical worship, Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16 is the traditional Old Testament reading for Misericordius Domini, the second Sunday after Easter. In other words, tomorrow. In the Revised Common Lectionary and also in Lutheran worship and the three-year lectionary in Lutheran service book, the Good Shepherd theme has been transferred to the fourth Sunday of Easter, the third Sunday after Easter, if you prefer. However, the three-year lectionary substitutes pericopes from Acts in place of those from the Old Testament during the Easter season. So Ezekiel 34 dis- disappears from that season. And to that, I say, boo. No, he didn't write that. I, I said that. <laughs> Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16 is still listed for those who continue to use the one-year lectionary. Thanks be to God for that. Um, and that wasn't the case in Lutheran worship, right? Yes. Oh, what did they do? Uh, third Sunday of Easter, second Sunday after Easter in LSB. Okay, so they moved it to a different Sunday. Hmm, weird. Where did we leave off? Okay, here we go. In Lutheran service book, Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16, 20 to 24 is the Old Testament 
uh, reading for series A paired with Matthew 25 as the Holy Gospel for proper 29, the last Sunday of the church year. All right, so that's when you get it in the three-year uh, three series, at the end of the church year. Another traditional time for the Good Shepherd Sunday. Also, uh, Lutheran Service Books three-year lectionary in series C, because remember it's three years, so C is the third year. Ezekiel 34 is the Old Testament reading for proper 19, whose gospel is Luke 15, with Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. Well, that makes sense too. And whose epistle is 1 Timothy 1, verses 5 to 17, which St. Paul's charge for the office of the pastor, also known as, pastor just means, you got it in Latin, shepherd. All right, so um, three-year moves it to some other Sundays that seem appropriate, end of the church year and also on one year, uh, which year, series C, third year, and then uh, towards the middle, of, or late summer, I should say, um, with also in the three, is that right? No. Oh, it's in the first year and then the third year. Doesn't matter. So they take some other options. Uh, for us, it's every Sunday, every year, the second Sunday after Easter. Before we proceed with exegesis, which we're not going to cover, we should recall how exceptionally widespread the metaphor of the shepherd was, not only in the Bible, but in the entire ancient Near East. All right, so this is, the uh, re- reason I'm reading this is this is um, what we call isagogics, that's, or at least that's what they used to call it, um, which is all of the uh, surrounding information that, that helps contribute to your understanding and interpretation of a text. All right, so he's saying the shepherd motif is throughout the ancient Near East. In a cla- it is a classical case where the Bible adapts, or if you like, baptizes, common imagery and terminology of its world in order that the whole world can understand its message. In pagan literature, the picture is used of both gods and men as shepherds. The picture of the gods as shepherds appears in some of our earliest Mesopotamian, that's Sumerian, literature, and it's also common in Egyptian literature as well. In Homer, Agamemnon, the leader of the Greeks against Troy, is regularly styled as, quote, Shepherd of the people. All right, so that's in uh, in the Iliad, uh, book two, two forty three, and in the Odyssey, book three, one fifty six. Uh, in mythology, it is sometimes hard to distinguish whether the shepherd is a is the god or his agent. In the incarnation of the god of God in Jesus Christ, of course, the two have fused once and for all. His true human nature and his and true divine nature are united in is one person as confessed in the Athanasian Creed. The shepherd of, uh, is both God and man. The Old Testament uses, usages are superficially very similar to those in the rest of the ancient world. Right? So they, on a superficial analysis, they look similar. But, right? All right. Yahweh himself is often called or described as Israel's shepherd. For example, explicitly and most familiarly in Psalm 23, verse 1, which we already heard. But also Isaiah 40, verse 11, Micah 7, 14, Psalm 80, verse 2, uh, or English text 80, verse 1. Or the English noun and Hebrew participle, or the verb shepherd, right, may refer to a ruler appointed by God. For example, Moses is, in Isaiah 63, 11, is called a shepherd, or shepherds. David in his political role in Psalm 78, 70 to 20, 72. And even the pagan Persian king Cyrus has been called to deliver Israel in Isaiah 44, 28, where the Hebrew, Hebrew participle shepherd is parallel to Messiah, lowercase, in Isaiah 55, 45, verse 1. Right? So we have Moses being not only literally a shepherd, but shepherding. We have David not only being a shepherd, but even in his role as king, shepherding. Right? And then even the Persian king Cyrus is God's shepherd um, to deliver Israel. 
Pretty cool, right? Biblical usage seems to diverge from that of its neighbors in sometimes pluralizing the term and applying it to the entire ruling class. So rather than just being one shepherd, a whole group of people are the shepherd. Ezekiel 34 is an example of that use of the metaphor. In this, in the context, it appears likely that the pre-exilic monarchy was primarily in Yahweh's mind. So pre-exilic meaning before it's the kingdom, before it's sent into exile. But sometimes it seems like the entire ruling class is included. Echoes of this motif are heard especially in the post-exilic Zechariah 10 and chapter 10 and chapter 11, which we're not going to look at today. But um, there's, there's the shepherd motif again after the exile, Zechariah being um, back in uh, Judah before the return of the, the kingdom. Ezekiel's slightly older contemporary Jeremiah, especially Jeremiah 23 verses 1 to 6, seems to have been influential for Ezekiel. Um, that's the uh, famous passage where, uh, uh, what is it? The Lord our righteousness is the name given uh, to God. Both prophets are addressing their contemporary situations, but at the same time, their vision is often extended into the future eschatological, that's end times, and eternal kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. Wherever we are situated on God's timeline, unfaithful rulers and enemies must be eliminated at the same time the divine kingdom is established. And in one way or another, the simultaneity of those themes themes structures the next six chapters, Ezekiel 34 through chapter 39. All right. Um, so you'll note how he, um, Dr. Hummel rightly recognizes um, that this theme is pervasive through the Old Testament, um, but also through the ancient world. So I'm trying to think of a parallel for us because we don't really live in a, an agrarian society or a nomadic or a herdsman society with tribes. Um, and so unfortunately, that makes it difficult for us to exactly understand or, or understand this metaphor that, that God gives. Um, but in a way, the congregation itself is the metaphor, <laughs> or it is the uh, fulfillment of the metaphor. We'll even say it that way, um, that there is a pastor, right, a shepherd, who guides the flock, the sheep that are gathered to hear the shepherd's voice, right, who is Jesus. So I prefer to be called the under-shepherd, or even better yet, um, the sheepdog. <laughs> I'm just the sheepdog. I'm just a dog, right, with crumbs from the master's table. Um, and the good shepherd is Jesus. He's the one shepherding you. Um, and the dog just runs around and keeps the, keeps the sheep uh, happy and in their pen, all right, and safe. So uh, that's my job as shepherd. So you note, uh, again, there are shepherds, um, the whole group of people that shepherd, but they're all under one shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus. It's really a beautiful, beautiful day, a lovely confession. Um, we're actually going to also tomorrow recognize the 500th anniversary of uh, Martin Luther standing before Charles, uh, Charles V at the Diet of Worms um, to say, here I stand, I can do no other. Uh, and part of uh, being a faithful shepherd is saying, here is the truth and I can say nothing else, which Luther did um, before, before actually civil government, right? Because the civil government said, you cannot preach this word. Now, granted, it's, um, <laughs> it is the Holy Roman Emperor um, who really is a puppet of uh, the Pope at the time. Um, but still, um, you stand before kings and rulers and say, you can take my life, my goods, fames, child and wife, all these be gone. The kingdom has been won. This is the gospel. I can say nothing else. Right? Jesus died for the sins of the world and there is salvation in no one else. 
not in not in any earthly ruler or or king. All right, um, and that's part of being a, a true shepherd. So we'll talk about that in particular tomorrow, April eighteenth, fifteen twenty one. Luther stood before Emperor Charles V, Diet of Worms. All right, or as the kids like to say, the Diet of Worms. Let's confess the uh, table of duties of citizens. Speaking of which, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Matthew 22, verse 21. It is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is why you must pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Romans 13, verses 5 through 7. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Titus 3, verse 1. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 to 14. We pray. Merciful Father, grant us faith to pray for the civil authorities and to trust that you will accomplish your good and gracious will through them. Teach us to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness and to be ready to do whatever is good in service to others in our community and nation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Saturday, we pray for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help us, good Lord, by the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray in Thanksgiving on this day with Ella, who celebrates her birthday, with Dale and Bob, who celebrate their baptism, and Thanksgiving with Amanda, uh, for the gift of healing, for Mariah, an answer of our call, and with uh, Ryan and Cassidy, who celebrate the birth of Arthur. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Roy, John, Timothy, Janice, and Sandy, Linda, Ken, Aaron, Penny, and Blair. Our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. The missions and mercy work of the church, especially Lutheran Heritage Foundation and Pastor Bloss. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect for this week. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Um, I think I'm just just read the hymn today um, by way of poetry so you can hear how uh, lovely that uh, uh, Massey translated Luther's text. Christ Jesus lay in death strong's bands for our offenses given. But now, at God's right hand, he stands and brings us life from heaven. Therefore, let us joyful be and sing to God right thankfully loud songs of Alleluia, Alleluia. No son of man could conquer death, such ruin sin had wrought us. No innocence was found on earth, and therefore death had brought us into bondage from of old, and ever grew more strong and bold and held us as its captive. Alleluia. Christ Jesus, God's own Son, came down his people to deliver. Destroying sin, he took the crown from death's pale brow forever. Stripped of power, no more it reigns. An empty form alone remains. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. It was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. Holy Scripture plainly saith that death is swallowed up by death. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. Here, our true paschal lamb we see, whom God so freely gave us. He died on the accursed tree, so strong his love to save us. See, his blood now marks our door. Faith points to it, death passes o'er, and Satan cannot harm us. Alleluia. So, let us keep the festival to which the Lord invites us. Christ is himself the joy of all the sun that warms and lights us. Now his grace to us imparts eternal sunshine to our hearts. The night of sin is ended. Alleluia. Then let us feast this Easter day on Christ the bread of heaven. The word of grace has purged away the old and evil leaven. Christ alone our souls will feed. He is our meat and drink indeed. Faith lives upon no other. Alleluia. That last stanza, of course, refers to the epistle uh, for Easter Sunday, right? Uh, referring to the leaven, right? So there you go. What a lovely hymn. Uh, thanks be to God for Dr. Luther, of course, will remind, remember that tomorrow. It's this bold confession uh, into which we walk, we follow. Um, so in a way, actually, Luther then uh, is one of our shepherds, right? Uh, I certainly consider him uh, one of those who leads me to Christ, to those green pastures and to those still waters. Very good. So uh, that concludes our congregation of prayer for today, Saturday, April 17th. It's good to have you with us. I encourage you to join us tomorrow, Sunday, uh, in person, if at all possible. Um, If not, of course, you can catch the stream. It's not quite the same as being in person. Of course, you can't receive the sacrament virtually over the internet, um, but you certainly hear God's word and be strengthened in your faith. So uh, regardless of uh, how you'll gather, please gather with us in the morning, again, 9.30 a.m. for our divine service. Good Shepherd Sunday. Misericordis Domini. See you then.